There we go. Isaiah 55. Jared got this word from the Lord, gave it to us Wednesday for our church, and I so think this is what Jesus is saying. Look at Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. It says, Come, all you who, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy milk, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Now let's just stop right there. This is the prophet Isaiah in the time of the, um, the Israelite nation. They are in sin. They are not obeying God. If you notice, a lot of the prophets are, mostly all the prophets are in the time of Israel's sin. I, I think every one of them, yes, we're in the time of Israel's sin. And so there's always this backdrop of these men's lives that nobody's living for God. The majority of people are not caring about God's commandments. They're not living for the Lord. And right here, this prophecy that Isaiah is saying to them is God speaking to the people. And he's saying, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Now, we know that Jesus Christ gave us the Holy Spirit. You all know that, right? We studied that today in church, Acts chapter 2, that we now have the ability to get filled on the inside. But I want to ask you a question. How many of you are coming to Jesus every day saying, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry? Look at what he is doing for us here. He is inviting us to come. So in a few minutes, when we start worshiping God in this service again, do we have to beg you? Do I, as the pastor, have to get on my knees and go, please, please, come to Jesus? Do I have to, like, grab you by your arm and, like, drag you to the front? How about we lock you in a closet and don't feed you for three days and let you out? How fast do you think you'll run for food? Hello? I know that wouldn't be a cool thing to do, but how many think that would be a good illustration of being hungry? How many think that would be a good illustration of being thirsty? If you right now did not have any water or any food, any drink for three days, dude, all somebody would have to do is just walk by with a pizza. Man, you'd be able to smell a pop, dude. You could smell so many things. You could smell people chewing gum, dude. You'd be like, man, I want some of that. Now God is saying to us, come by. Come and eat. Get wine. Get milk. You don't need money. It's without cost. Now look right here, and this is the sad part to me. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? How many people today are wasting their life, their energy, their resources, chasing things that do not satisfy? Do you know that there's people right now going after education, but it will never fill their soul? Is education a bad thing? No, it's a good thing, but it will never fill your soul. And some people don't have God, so they try to fill their life with education, and they go after it with everything they have, and they're still empty inside. God is saying, why would you do that? Do you know that there's people right now that study plants? You know, is that a botanist? Studies plants, right? People will study plants. You can talk to people and they will just know everything about a plant, but they don't know anything about the Creator. Why waste your time doing those things? Uh, Andrew and I were talking about this guy that's a French voyageur. Did I say that right? Come on. He is a French reenactment guy somewhere in Wisconsin. And he pretends like he's a French fur trader from what century? Like the 18th century? So this is a hobby of a grown man. I, I see this guy putting on some, like, fur hat, him walking around in some, like, you know, like his hairy chest is sticking out and just like this loose shirt, like a French guy, tight pants, you know what I'm saying? Little pointy shoes. I see him, like, working construction during the week and then on the weekends dressing up like this. 
and having himself a ball. Andrew said that he actually wrote a book about the French fur trade in America. How many think that would be pretty boring? Just be honest with us. You all would want to do that? Everybody not raising your hand, you don't think that's boring. You want to train and be a French voyager? Let's try to get some interaction today. Can we try that in the class? Okay, once again, how many things, if you spent your whole life studying about the French fur trade in Wisconsin, that would be boring? Thank you. For those listening by tape, everyone's now raising their hands except Adolfo. He wants to be the French voyager. But then you talk to somebody about Jesus, they don't have time for Jesus. They'll spend their whole life trying to reenact being a French fur trader. I, I could not even imagine somebody would do that, okay? I've heard of like Civil War reenactments, but I'm telling you, there are so many things in life people spend their time doing. What about people who fix up cars? I say I might get a little bit more personal right there, right? See, it doesn't sound as silly as a French voyageur. But there's people who play with metal and tools and, like, tinker around and make their car go vroom, vroom, and they get all happy. And they say, like, I have spent my money and my time on this. And I'm looking at, like, my Chrysler, and I'm like, my Chrysler gets from here to there just like that gets from A to B. What's really the difference, right? Yeah, you have a little bit noisier thing, you know, but doesn't it just get from A to B the same? Why are we wasting our lives on these things? Look what the Bible says. It says, why do those things when they do not satisfy? Keep going. Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the riches of fare. Somebody say, my soul will delight in the riches of God. Come on, say that again. My soul will delight in the riches of God. Man, some of you here today need to come by and eat from the riches of God. Amen. Man, we need to get excited for God. We need to spend time with the Lord. We need to drink in His presence. In a few moments when Josh comes back up here, don't wait for us to beg you. Just get in His presence. Get in the river. Just drink it in. Do you all understand the illustration of us drinking and eating from God comes from the Bible? Do you all understand that? You all understand that when Josh sits up here and he says, we are hungry, we are hungry for more of you. You understand that that's right out of the Bible? When he says, we are thirsty, we're thirsty for more of you. You understand that he is saying right there exactly what the Lord told him to say, what he told us to say. He's teaching us to come to him to drink and to eat, and he will satisfy our souls. Oh, I'm getting happy. Thank you, Lord. I receive it right now. Jesus. Jesus, hallelujah, I want to drink and eat till my soul can't take anymore. Oh, Lord, I'll fall down and go boom. I'll run around the building. I don't care what it takes for me to get more in me, amen? You know, they, when, they, when they worked in the Old Testament, you know, with grain and stuff, when we get the press down, shaking together and running over, you know, you, to get grain to go into the barrel, you'd have to shake it up, you'd have to push it down. You guys don't understand what I'm saying? Whatever God has got to do to fit more of his presence in me, I don't care. If he wants me to cry all night, I'll cry all night. If he wants me to laugh, if he wants me to fall down, go boom. If he just wants me to say over and over again, Jesus, I love you. You, Jesus, I love you. Do you know that the angels in heaven worship God with one? There's angels in heaven called the seraphim. They have six wings. They fly around the throne of God, and they only say one phrase. They have been created from eternity past, before the heavens and the earth were ever made. They were with the Father in the throne, only saying one phrase, and they've been saying it for, for millions of years. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God created angels 
just to fly around his throne and to worship him like that. And some of y'all get bored after a half hour of worship. Hello. Man, y'all ain't seeing Jesus. You are not seeing who he really is. If you and I would get a picture of heaven, we wouldn't want to stop worshiping him. You wouldn't want to just wait for the band to spark up another tune and, you know, and be like, oh, okay, Josh is a little off today. I'm not feeling it. Man, you wouldn't even need all the karaoke stuff. You would just be able to worship him all day, 24-7, because the Bible says he's looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. Come on. You and I need to come and drink and drink and drink and drink. Every time we come to church, you know what it is? It's just a party in the Holy Ghost. It's just a whole bunch of us drinking and eating together. Amen? Hallelujah. And don't try to act like you're too cute to eat, okay? Just put on the bib and get up in it, all right? Just drink. Have another drink. They're all on the house. Amen? Oh, I can get excited about that. Thank you, Jesus. Look at the next verse, verse 3. Give ear and come to me. You know how many times the Bible, in the Bible God says, come to me so many times times why do you think he says come to me because most of the time we ain't with him (laughs) okay i don't say joe come to me you know when he's sitting right next to me i say joe come to me when he's across the room right and i'm like joe come on over here god is always saying if anyone's thirsty come unto me right come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden Anybody have burdens today? Anybody carrying burdens? What does Jesus say? Come unto me. You see, it's your choice. Do you come or do you stay right where you are? Do you just stay and just plant your feet? Be like the frozen chosen in your heart. You don't want to feel anything. You don't want to go after God. You got kind of this attitude like, oh, if God is real, he'll come to me. How dare you? How dare you talk to our God like that? You're challenging him to come to you. He's already died on the cross for you. He's already sent the Holy Spirit to you. He's already sent men and women of God to preserve his word for you. How dare you sit in a church service and say, God, now you come to me one more time. No, you go to God. You run to the Lord. You come to his mercy seat. It is an honor to be with God. The Bible says that the prophets of the Old Testament looked at the relationship you and I have right now and were jealous. They saw that Christians one day would have God inside of them. They wouldn't have to go to a temple. They saw that they could see Jesus in visions and see who he was in the fullness of God. And all they had were these prophecies. They looked and said, I want that so bad. Now you and I have it. We need to get in it. Give ear and come to me. Josh, come to the front, please, please, brother. We're going to end with worship and just seeking God. Keep your Bibles open to the scripture, though. It says, give ear and come to me. Hear me in your soul may live, that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. This is about a thousand years before Jesus, and Isaiah is prophesying about the covenant we have now through Jesus Christ who came through the line of David. Mary, who gave Jesus the physical earth suit, was from the line of David. It says, see, I have made him a witness to the people a leader, a commander of people. It says, Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for He has endowed you with splendor. See, now that's for soul winners right there. You see, if you don't even have a relationship with God, all that we just read right there will mean nothing to you. You're like, oh, what does that talk about me getting a new car? Or what does this talk about me getting blessed? So many people read the Bible for their own blessings. You see, if you read the Bible for your own blessings, you just miss that whole thing right there. But do you know that life is not about you? 
Hello? Do you know that you're not the most important person on this planet? I think some of you all need to hear that. You came to church today, and I'm going to help you understand that. Life's not about you. It's not about your wife, your husband, your children. It's not about them. Let me pop that little bubble of the American gospel right now. The number one thing on God's mind is not trying to give you the American dream. I've met so many people that get upset with God because they don't get the American dream. They lost their job. They get fired. Something bad happened. And then now they hold that up to God like, God, you're not a good God because I should have the American dream. God never promised you the American dream. God never said you would live in a condo with a white picket fence, walk down to the park, you know, with your little Labrador retriever, whatever else you think life is all about. Life is about God. Life is about the glory of God. Do you know that God is more consumed with the things He'll do through you than the things He'll do for you? Oh, y'all need to get that right now. I'm going to pray that that just settles in this room right now. Jesus, give it to them. God is more concerned about the things He'll do through you than the things He'll do for you. The moment I got saved, Jesus is like, Son, I'm glad you're happy I saved you, but i got a whole plan for your life now. i got a whole plan for you. i got a whole destiny for you. See, I thought I was just going to get saved, you know, go to a college, have a nice family. You know, I have all of that, but God said, No, no, you're going to suffer a little bit now. I'm going to put you in New Orleans. You're going to work in the inner city. You're going to begin to preach to people that you never thought you would ever meet in your entire life. See, God saved me not to just give me stuff, but to do stuff through me. It says you will summon nations. I dare some of you to start calling forth nations. To start saying, God, you saved me. You filled me. You've done all of this for me. Now I can go out and give it out. Isn't that what he told his disciples? He said, now go out. Go out into all the world. Jesus, look, it says, because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, He has endowed you with splendor. Why is the glory of God upon you? Why are these blessings upon you? So that people will look at you and say, I want what you have. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you have Christianity in such a way, if that's that's what it is, I don't want it. I'm telling you, man, people will look at you on your job and they'll say, man, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want to catch that disease. Is Is that something you catch by, is that an airborne disease? Because some of you have bad attitudes, you have stinking thinking, and then you say you go to church and all this, and they're looking at you like, man, if that's what it is, I don't want anything to do with that. But those who live holy before God, those who are living with the blessing of God, the Bible says the splendor of God is on them, people look at it, and they say, I want that. I want what Adam has. I want what God has blessed him with. I want to see peace in my life that is upon Adam. Some of you need to repent and get right with God. Keep going. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. I want to put a little holy fear of God in you guys' hearts tonight. There will come a time where some of you, if you are not right with God, you will call on him and he will not answer you. I want you to understand that. Some people think they are going to live however they want and then just hook up with God one day. You know, people say, I'm going to make it right in the end. No, 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 no. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Why did he tell us that? Because there's a time he may not be found. Sometimes you and I get the impression, especially when we're preaching to people. Let me tell you how we summon nations. Because it talked about summoning nations there. You know how we talk to nations and tell people about Jesus? It's like, you know, you're doing God a favor. You know, God's this lonely guy in heaven. You know, he has this big house. Nobody comes over to play. He's tired of hanging out with Peter. You know, he wants a new buddy. Uh, you know, will you be Jesus' friend? And then they're like, ah, I don't know. I don't want to be Jesus' friend. So now what we're going to do is we're going to bribe them. 
Well, if you're Jesus' friend, you get a lot of blessings. You get a lot of lollipops. He'll take you out to Six Flags. And if you're Jesus' friend, you know what he's going to do for you? He's going to let you live in the mansion. He's going to give you streets of gold. Yeah, don't you, don't you want to be his friend now? Don't you want to be Jesus' friend? And they're like, I think so. And we're, we're like, hey, you're so cool. You want to be Jesus' friend. Let me tell you what it's like. Jesus comes to you and he says, you want what I have? Die. You want to live? Die. You want to live? Die. You want my friendship? Forsake everything you have in your life and find me. That's what he says. He says, you want heaven? Sell everything you have. Become poor and I'll make you rich. Hello. That's the real gospel, amen? That's how we talk to nations. As the Bible says in Psalms 2, you better kiss the king lest he become angry. Hello? He stands as a king. You know what a king, man, see, we don't grow up in times of kings. Thank God we don't. A king stands up while you bow down. You walk into the palace of a king. You bow down. You understand what I'm saying? He stands up. We come to Jesus. He's the king of kings. We bow down before him and we say, Lord, what do you want? What do you want of me? We tell the Lord, Jesus. You know what? See, we don't understand the word master either. We think of the, we think of the word master means my buddy. Now, Jesus said he would be our friends, but the word master does not mean buddy. The master means that he is the boss and you're not. He's the master. You are a slave now to him. The Bible says we are now slaves to righteousness. Get on your knees. Seek him while he may be found and say, Lord, I call upon you. Have your way in my life. Change me. Rearrange me. Pick the friends that you want me to have. Tell me the career that you want me to have. Show me the husband and spouse that I'm supposed to have. Teach me how to raise my family, Jesus. God, I give you my life. Accept it as an offering to you. The Bible says give your lives, as your bodies as offerings, as sacrifices to God. Holy and acceptable. Can you say amen? Keep on reading. We're going to go to... 9.30 tonight, so you got plenty of time to worship. Just keep on going. Praise God. Jesus, humble us, break us, shake us. Look at right here. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Is your pastor teaching you the truth today? Is that not in line with the word of God? Everything I just told you, is that not what he just backed up right there? Yes or no? I can't hear you all today. You all quiet? I need to know. It's what this man's saying, the same thing I'm saying today, yes or no. Somebody say amen if you believe it. Look at what God says right there. He says, let the wicked forsake his way. Any wickedness you have in your heart today, forsake before God. Every wicked thing that's in your heart, every wicked thing that's in my heart, forsake it before God. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. See, some people don't understand that they're a sinner that needs mercy. Do you know where altar calls came from? I don't think most of you even know where an altar call came from. Let me tell you where altar calls came from. Because you know what? You never find them in the Bible. You never find people gathered together. And then a priest or a pastor or you know one of the apostles saying, Now if you want sweet daddy, sugar daddy Jesus, come on up here and say a quick little prayer and you'll get all the glory of heaven and six flags and Disney World all put together. No, you no, 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 no. Number one in the 
New Testament, the only time you see people accepting Christ is when they fall on their knees, shout out to the apostles, what must I do to be saved? They come shouting and screaming to the preacher, I need to be saved. It's not the preacher saying, come on, let me beg you to be saved. Close your eyes, raise your hand on the count of three. Everybody run up here. Hey, I've done that stuff too. But I'm telling you, that's not how true salvation worked in the Bible. It was when the man of God was preaching, like how I'm preaching right now, they would interrupt and say, what must I do to be saved? Now listen, as the Western civilization culture began to grow, it wasn't in the eastern parts of the world, you know, the Middle East, and the gospel began to be preached in England and America, and they met in buildings like this, these great preachers. Jonathan Edwards, to name one, Charles Finney, George Whitfield, John Wesley, study these men, learn about where you come from, would be preaching just like how I'm preaching right now. Men called the Quakers start to quake. They would hear the preaching of the wrath of God, and they would start to quake and shake. They were called Quakers and Shakers, and the Methodists would start to weep and mourn. Right while the preacher was preaching, some would fall off their chair in the middle of the message. Eventually they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put a mourner's bench in the front of the church so that you won't interrupt the other people. So if you're feeling Jesus, you just get up on your own and you just sit in that bench and we know God's dealing with you. And then after service, you know what they would tell them? They wouldn't just say to them, oh, you're sa- say this little prayer. Now you're saved. Aren't you saved? Don't you feel you're saved? Here's a Bible. You know, what, you know what they would say to them? Stay here till you've received the mercy of God. Stay here till you know that all your sins are forgiven. They would tell them, you've committed them individually, confess them individually. I remember the day I came to Christ, I was at my mother's kitchen table. I didn't get saved. I got saved. Are you listening to me? I got saved. At my mother's kitchen table, conviction rocked my world. Went back to my mother's house, began to look at myself in the mirror, saw evil spirits, came back to the house at the living room couch on my knees, weeping, shaking, trembling before God. Save me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Change my life. Have mercy on me, Jesus. That's the real gospel. Amen. Got filled with the Holy Ghost, set free from demons. It worked for me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Has it worked for anybody else in here? Amen. The rest of you need to get saved. Look what the Bible says. Let the Lord, it says, let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. Thank you, Jesus. Look at this right here. Verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Don't you love God? He just says it as a T-I is. He says it as a T-I-S. He says, you ain't thinking like me. You're not acting like me either. Are we going to get that? Can we humble ourselves today? Can we receive that today? He looks right at you and he says, if you're not living right, you're not, you're not the right person. He says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. You know, you ever talk to somebody and they say, my God would never judge me like that. You know, your God, you know, you teach your God does this and that. My God will never do that. You know why? Because a God that they serve is a God of their imagination. It's an idol to them. They have all these thoughts. My God wouldn't do that. My God wouldn't send a Muslim to hell. My God wouldn't send a Hindu to hell. My God wouldn't do that. And you know what you guys say to him? Is you guys say, yeah, you're right. Your God wouldn't do that because your God doesn't exist. Your God is a figment of your imagination. Because this Bible says right here, he's not like us. He doesn't think like us. Hello? I want to just blow your mind here just for a second while you're getting really some preaching today. Aren't you glad you came to church? Amen. You might be saying, Jesus, make them laugh and buck and jerk a little more because I can't handle the true preaching of the word. Well, it's got to come all different ways. Amen. We're going to bring it all different ways. 
Jesus, your God, your God, my God, the God that we serve, will take the souls of sinners, give them an everlasting body of destruction, and will send them to a bottomless pit called the lake of fire for eternity to be punished for one reason and one reason only. Because he is jealous of their affection and they have rejected him. Oprah Winfrey said, they were asking her one time, why have you rejected Jesus being the only way? She said, I used to grow up as a Christian. I used to understand everything. I loved it. She said, one time I was in a church and the pastor said that our God was a jealous God. You know that song that we sing in Song of Solomon? Jealousy, as, as uh, jealous as the grave. That's how much he loves us. He's jealous over us. That's what the Bible actually says. And I think I might have to read that to you in just a second here. Oprah Winfrey says when she heard that I didn't want to serve that God. She said, I don't want to serve that God. Let me tell you who she's serving. Turn with me now to the book of James. We're going to come and close that out. Somebody say it's tight, but it's right. <laughs> Jesus. We're going to give it some time tonight. Praise the Lord. Amen, brother. Praise God. We're going to let him move. I just want to show you guys what's going on. Because you know what? I don't want in this church this attitude like, oh, well, you know what? I, I may worship. I don't know. They're kind of worshiping a little long tonight. Oh, I don't know. I may go preach on the streets. I don't know. I may come Sunday morning. I don't know. I, I may read my Bible. Eh, maybe not. Eh, you know, like we just think like this is a little game. Like you get to pick how you serve him. And like somehow, because let me tell you, like I'm the pastor, like somehow like I'm Jiminy Cricket up here, you know. Like I pull off my tap, top hat. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to church. Let us dance together. Bump, 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 bump. You know, here I am. Here's the worship leader. We're putting on a little show for you. And, and how good, you know, how much you receive it is how good my ego will feel when I leave out of service. Oh, they really had a good service. Listen to me. I'm not here for you first. I'm here for God. And if i got to preach it right and tight and step all on your toesy-woesies for you to get more closer to God, that's okay. They threw Jeremiah in a pit and told him to shut up. I would rather offend you than lie to you. It's time that we get radical for God. And so when you come in here next week and we start worshiping God, it's not like how much is Josh going to worship, which Joe thinking. No, you come in here and worship Him because He deserves it. He's worthy of it. You know what that means, worthy? He's worth your life. He's worth your praise. Isn't He somebody? Come on, let's talk about what Oprah Winfrey's on, then we'll close up. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just a little bit more of the fire right now. I don't want to die down. Look at, uh, look at James, where it talks about being a friend of the world. Where does it talk about that? Somebody shout it out to me. I think it's James chapter 4. Look at what he says right here. There it is, brother. Thank you. Look at James 4.4. 4. Now look, what, look, what, look, look, look right here. Like they say in the South. Look right here. Right, y'all. Y'all with me, right, y'all? Look at this. Look at this. Look at your Bible. Look at your Bible. People think the Bible says, I'm so cute and cuddly. Look at what it says right there. You adulterous people. Uh, Adam said, I've never called anybody the whore of Babylon. <laughs> well, James called his, his church when they were getting out of order. James says, you're adulterous people. He said, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? 
You know what Oprah Winfrey's on right now in this society that's like her, this Christianese society that wants a little God, a little New Age, a little wine, a little, a little dibble-dabble with adultery, you know, a little rated R movies, all this evil. You know, you know what this world is? They are enemies of God. And those who knew the Lord and are now living that way, now they are adulterers. If I cheat on my wife right now, what am I, an adulterer? If you know the Lord, you turn your back on Him, you are an adulterer. Look what the Bible says. It says, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think, now it's going to quote the Bible for you, right? The Bible is going to quote the Bible. Or do you think... The Scripture says without reason, the Spirit He caused to live in us envies intensely, but He gives us more grace. Y'all want to fall in love with Jesus? Amen. The Bible says the Spirit that is inside of you is envying for all of you. That song that we sing, You Won't Relent. As a matter of fact, let's get that ready, but just stay up here for a second. Get that song ready, please. You won't relent till you have it all. He says, I want all your heart, Adam. If he sees you give your heart to something else, he envies. He envies. You say, well, I thought that was a sin. Well, we're not God. God doesn't live by the same standards we do. God can do stuff that we can. God can destroy a nation, and you're not to murder. Hello, somebody. you got to get that in your mind, too. God is not like you. His thoughts are not like your thoughts. Stop trying to make God look like Mr. Rogers. He's not Mr. Rogers. He will freak you out. He's a big God. Hello. He's a, the Bible says that when He comes, His glory shakes the earth. The, the Bible says when He splits the clouds and He comes again, He has a sword in His mouth and He destroys a billion people at Armageddon and the blood is as high as a horse's head for 130 miles. That ain't Dito Jesus. Hello. That is not white, blonde hair, skinny Jesus on the cross dying for you. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you fall in love with Him, You'll never be the same. Come and buy from Him. Don't waste your life on anything else. Look at verse 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts above your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. He will not return to me empty. God will do all that He said He will do. Amen? But will accomplish, accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for what I sent. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Hallelujah. Instead of the thorn bush, will grow the pine tree. And instead of the briars, and myrtles will grow. It says there the Lord's there will be for the Lord's renowned an everlasting sign which shall not be destroyed. But what does it take first? It takes you and I getting in love with Jesus, coming to Him and by. John Piper wrote a book called Don't Waste Your Life. And he tells a story in this book. He tells a story about a married couple that spent their whole life. Let me just break this down for you real quick. You talk to a teenager right now, you ask them to live for God. They say, you know what, I'm busy playing my sports. I've got to play sports. You know, I'm 13 years old, I've got a lot to do. I'll do it when I get a little bit older, when I get in high school, have more time. They get into high school, 
Now they got to get ready for college. You tell that young man, you say, it's time for you to live for God. Come to the youth group. You know what they say? Oh, I'm too busy. I got to get ready for college. You find the college student. You talk to the college student. You say, come on, man. It's time to live for God. They then say to you, you know what? I'm busy with finals. When I get done with college, I'm going to start my career. I'll have more time. Then you find the young professional, and you say to him, hey, man, it's time to live for God. Aren't you ready to live for God? No, you know what? I'm starting my career. I'm really busy right now. Once I settle down, buy a house, and get a family, I'll have some time. Then you talk to the person that just started their family, and you say, hey, man, now you got your family. It's time to live for God. Now they say, you know what? I'm so busy with my family. i got to take care of my kids. i got to take them all over the place. They say, you know what? When I get a little bit more settled in life, I'll come do that. You find them in the middle age of their life, 40, 50 years old. They say, you know what? Now I'm so busy because i got to get ready to retire. I don't have time. You find them when they're retiring. And then they say, you know what? I've got to get all my life in order. And then you'll find them in his nursing home. Many of you have not preached in a nursing home like I have. You will find people in a nursing home. And you will say, are you ready to live for God? And they'll say, no, wheel of fortune is on. People have to make a choice. There is no excuse. He comes first now. If you're 18 in college, He comes first right now. If you're 20 years old starting your family, God comes first all of the time for all of the seasons of your life. He deserves every bit of your life. Love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said this young, he said this couple, he, he, they spent their whole life like that. And they wanted to retire in Florida. And they would wake up every morning. I love Florida. And I would always see these people. And it's just exactly like he described. These old people, they get up early in the morning. They find all these seashells by the beach. They pick up these shells. They bring them in a little bucket, give them to their grandchildren. He said, imagine when that couple dies. They stand before God. God says, what do you show for your life? What did you do here? What did you do on earth to make a difference for eternity? And he says, imagine that couple just pulling out of their little bucket, their little seashells. Oh, God, I got this one on the beach, and it's really cute, you know. It's all, it's all shiny. That's what God's going to do to us. We're going to be judged. Do you know that? We're going to be judged with the life that we lived, how we spent our money, the words that we said. We will be judged by a living God. And He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Isaiah 55 says, come, buy, and eat, and drink. It's free. Don't waste your money on things that don't satisfy. Get hungry for God. Get thirsty for God. Spend your life being a God chaser. Go after His glory. Spend your life sharing His message. Raise your family in the glory of God. Work a job for His glory. Spend your money for His glory. All for the glory of God. It's not about you. It's about him his thoughts are higher than you than the earth is the heavens are to the earth it's time you and i stop being so earthly minded and start being heavenly minded he deserves it that's why he died on the cross he died on the cross to redeem sinful man so that man could come up to be with him would you stand up with me raise your hands to god and let's tell him how much we love him as we put on that song i won't relent you won't relent jesus jesus not for a preacher, but for your glory. Not because God were made to, but because we want to. We make a choice today. We want you. We make a choice, God, to have all of you in our lives. 
none of us. Take it all. Take it all, Jesus. Oh. Jesus. Holy Spirit, make worshipers in this place. Make worshipers in this place. If you have sin in your life today, repent before God. Change your wicked ways. Call upon Him for mercy. Jesus. Jesus. God, your love is jealous for us. Today we go after you. We go after you. Metro Praise refuses to be a church of the flesh. Oh, we will be a church of the Spirit. We will search after you. My heart is yours, Jesus. Oh, we got to burn that flesh. Put your flesh on the altar of God's sacrifice today. Let God's fire burn in you today. Burn us up, Jesus. Burn up the attitudes. Burn up the pride. Oh, we put you as a seal on our hearts and our arms so we'll never forget you. And he's as strong as death. Jealous. Jesus, give us a revelation of that. Show us how big you are tonight. 